Amen. If you brought your Bibles tonight, you can turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35. Jeremiah 35, beginning at verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. And so he takes these Rechabite sons, brothers, the whole house of the Rechabites, and verse 5, Then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites bowls full of wine and cups. And I said to them, drink wine. But they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, you shall drink no wine, you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these. But all your days you shall dwell in tents that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us, to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do we have a vineyard, field or seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. The Rechabites are an incredible example of obedience. Perhaps tonight is the first time you've ever heard of this group. Or maybe that you've read it. It was a group of people that could not be swayed, a group of people that could not be bought, a group of people that could not be influenced. They could not be made to conform. There is much to learn from this family, a nomadic people a people known for their strict rules, a people known for their abstinence, strict rules to abstain. There's much to learn from this group, this family, a people faithful to abide by these rules generation after generation. And the Lord used the obedience, the faithfulness of the Rechabites to teach Israel an important lesson. Verses 5 to 10 in the New Century Version. Then I put some bowls full of wine and some cups before the men of the Rechabite family. And I said to them, drink some wine. But the Rechabite men answered, we never drink wine. Our ancestor Jonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. You and your descendants must never drink wine. Also, you must never build houses, plant seeds. Or plant vineyards? Or do any of those things? You must live only in tents. 
Then you will live a long time in the land where you are wanderers. So we, Rechabites, have obeyed everything Jonadab, our ancestor, commanded us. Neither we nor our wives, sons, or daughters ever drank wine. We never build houses in which to live or own fields or vineyards or plant crops. We have lived in tents and have obeyed everything our ancestor Jonadab commanded us. The Lord used the example of the Rechabites to teach his people a lesson. The contrast between the Rechabites' obedience and the disobedience of his people. The Lord kept sending messengers to call his people back to tell them to turn from waywardness, to turn from sinfulness, to turn from wicked ways, to not get swallowed up in the culture of the day. Yet his people didn't listen. Time and time again he spoke, calling them back, seeking to gather them, yet his people didn't listen. In verses 18 and 19, the Lord commends the Rechabites for their obedience. We first read from the New King James Version. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he commanded you, therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. The message reads, Then turning to the Rechabite community, Jeremiah said, And this is what God of the angel armies, the God of Israel, says to you. Because you have done what Jonadab, your ancestor, told you, obeyed his commands and followed through on his instructions, receive my message, receive this message from God of the angel armies, the God of Israel, there will always be a descendant of Jonadab, son of Rechab, at my service. Always. The Lord desires a people that have the qualities of the Rechabites. Number one tonight, abstinence preserves a certain lifestyle. The lesson here is not what the Rechabites abstained from. The lesson here is their obedience and their unwillingness to bend, their unwillingness to conform. That's the lesson here God was trying to teach. The lesson was not what this particular group abstained from, but rather to call God's people to a life of abstinence. That God's people would abstain from certain things. Things that we know are not right, not holy. That we would obey the Lord. That we would look at this group that he highlighted. That we would take the great example of their obedience. Rules preserve a certain lifestyle. Abstinence preserves a certain Lifestyle. You think about it tonight. A people faithful to abide by the rules of God preserve a godly lifestyle generation after generation. 
That's the truth. A people unwilling to bend, a people unwilling to break, a people unwilling to conform, not willing to crack, to hold to a godly lifestyle while it's their time. In this generation, there is a great responsibility. And the responsibility is this generation's responsibility. And it is to preserve a godly lifestyle. To hold to it in our generation that it be preserved for the generation to come. There is a generation rising, a generation coming that will follow our generation. What will the kingdom look like when they're handed the baton? What will this church look like? What will our faith look like? What will our convictions look like? What will worship look like? What will prayer look like? What will the community look like? What will our living look like outside of the walls of the church? The Lord used the Rechabites as a great example of what it takes to preserve a certain lifestyle. And it's going to take a people like this, not that abstain from the same things. That's not what we're talking about. It's not that you can only live in a tent. Say amen tonight. But it's obedience to a godly lifestyle. Some of you might like to live in a tent. Obedience to God's lifestyle for his people, his call. It's our responsibility. Can you receive the weight of it tonight? It is your responsibility to preserve the godly lifestyle in your generation. John Wesley said these words, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. Obedience doesn't tolerate waywardness. So abstinence preserves a certain lifestyle. Number two tonight, there is no such thing as partial obedience. It destroys the word. Have you looked up the definition of obedience? There is no such thing as partial obedience. And the Lord desires that his people live in obedience, and he desires a steadfast people. The Lord desires a strong people, a resilient people, a people that will not bend, a people that will not break, a people that will not give in no matter what is set before them. A people that will not partake no matter what is set before them. Even if it looks like it's okay, and it might be for some, but we, we abstain that we preserve godly lifestyle. A people whose obedience always wins out. We want that to be the condition of your life. 
that obedience always wins out no matter how I feel, no matter where I'm at, no matter if it's a cloudy day or the sun is shining, no matter where I find myself, no matter the environment, no matter the pressure, no matter the opportunity, that obedience always wins out. Romans 12, too, we know it well. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The NIV reads, do not conform to the pattern of this world. God is not looking for a group of people that are pushovers, that bend and break, and that conform and they're squeezed into the mold of the world. God is looking for a people that are transformed and are much different. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for a resilient people. He's looking for a people that are drastically different, that the life looks different, that the confession looks different, that the work ethic outshines, that the heart for all that he has a heart for beats strong and doesn't miss a beat. The message reads, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. You know, I love, you have conversations with some and you just talk to them about obedience and holiness and righteousness and all these things and, you know, commitment to the house of the Lord and commitment to prayer and worship and really just giving your vocation to the Lord and running strong and you talk about that happening on another part of the world, and they say, well, that's that culture, right? That's always the cop-out. Don't become so well-adjusted that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the cultural culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And J.B. Phillips' New Testament reads, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. That is what the enemy is after. Day in and day out. To squeeze us into the world's mold. To have us bend, to have us break, to have us compromise. But God desires a resilient people. John 17, verses 13 to 19. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Why? Because they are not of the world. That's what it looks like to run with Jesus. Just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Would that solve all your problems? But that you should keep them from the evil one. Thank you, Lord. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We're actually sent into the world. But not 
to be squeezed into the mold, not to conform, but to be resilient and strong, to not bend, to not break. That's the call. Man, God really has faith in us, doesn't he? You think of the faith he has, and it's really faith in the gospel. It's faith in the power of the Holy Ghost. It's faith in his truth that is working in our lives that he can actually send us out into the world, into environments where it doesn't matter what is set before us, we won't bend and we won't break. Closes off, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. If we're all honest here tonight, we know what the Lord thinks about obedience, and we know how the Lord feels about obedience. You know, when you disobeyed your parents when you were a kid, Nobody ever did that right. And you were questioned on it. You said, well, I sort of obeyed. It was partial obedience. I mean, you know, that doesn't go well with mom or dad. I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, but that doesn't fly. Obedience is obedience. There is no partial obedience because it destroys, it destroys the word. The obedient Abstain. They don't partake. They don't bend. They don't break. They're resilient. They refuse to be conformed. Number three, respect and honor your fathers. Respect and honor your father. Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. J.B. Phillips, New Testament. Children, the right thing for you to do is to obey your parents and those whom God has set over you. Passion Translation, you will prosper, or really what it says in the margin, it will go beautifully for you. You will prosper and live a long, full life if you honor your parents. Respecting and honoring our godly natural parents, respecting and honoring our godly spiritual parents, respecting and honoring our heavenly Father. This commandment comes with promise. Again, Jeremiah 35, verses 18 and 19, And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the commandment, John and Deb, your father, and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, John and Deb, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. I'd venture to say tonight that we all want to live right and that we want to live a long life on the earth should the Lord will. We want to live a prosperous life. We want to live a kingdom life that preserves a true godly lifestyle. Is that the cry of your heart tonight? And the beautiful thing is that our respect and honor for our Father 
those over us. And our Father, our Heavenly Father, it secures a place for the next generation. Which leads to number four, secure a place for your descendants. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you can't miss it tonight, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. You know, sometimes when you were a kid and your parents said obey, and you questioned it, why? How many know when they said obey, it was usually for your good? Don't do that. It was for our good. Because you have obeyed, because you have kept all the precepts according to the command given you, how are we doing with the commands given us and the precepts given us? How are we doing with what our parents, our good godly parents, have given us? How are we doing with the pattern of church attendance that they gave us? Does it look the same? Are we preserving it in our generation? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? How about prayer light? Worship? How about holiness? what they gave us, the boundaries and the borders that they set up. Son, daughter, we don't set our eyes on those things. Well, I'm 18 and I'm free as a bird. You ain't free. You're foolish. We're called to honor and respect those that are set over us. We might not always understand why we need to obey, but it's always right to obey. That's the truth. And it's always right to obey our Heavenly Father. Obedience always winning out. The voice reads, because you obeyed your ancestor Jonadab, and faithfully followed his instructions for all these years, I promise that Jonadab, son of Rechab, will always have descendants who serve me. And I just felt like the Lord said this while I read this afresh. Sometimes something set in place in one generation gets tested and proven by and in the next, and there receives the commendation of the Lord and a promise that claims the future. Are you understanding that tonight? What was set in place by our parents, what was set in place by our forefathers, by all those who went before us, good godly people, what was set in place, patterns that were set in place. I'd even say patterns of Sunday morning and Sunday night attendance because it's important. What happens if our generation doesn't preserve it? What's church going to look like for the next generation? How weak is the church going to look in the next generation when it's already weak in ours? Ah, it doesn't matter. The next generation can deal with it. 
Listen, give the next generation a chance. Because what we tolerate, they're going to embrace. What we tolerate, they will embrace. This is more important than we think. The Living Bible. Then Jeremiah turned to the Rechabites and said, The Lord, the God of Israel, says that because you have obeyed your father in every respect, he shall always have descendants who will worship me. Lord, let it be so. I want to encourage us to stand faithful. Now, I know perhaps we've heard many messages like this, but can we hear it with fresh ears tonight? Can we see it with fresh eyes tonight? Faithful in obedience. And I want to ask, is there anything that when set before us causes us to bend, to break, to conform? The bowls and cups of this world that want to break our obedience and steal our obedience and kill our obedience? What full bowl is set before you? What cup is the enemy trying to get you to partake of that your obedience crack? I want to ask tonight, is it worth the drink? Is it worth the drinking? That your sons and daughters might not know a true godly lifestyle? Or your spiritual sons and daughters? Is it worth it to leave the church in ruins? Again, I'm not talking about what this particular group abstained from. That's not what we're talking about tonight. What we are looking at is the obedience. How resilient they were that they were unwilling to bend and break. And that's what the Lord was trying to teach His people. To show the contrast. Hebrews 11 verses 24 to 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Are you looking to the reward? You think of the bowl that was set before him, the cup that was set before him. He decided it wasn't worth the drink. The King James Version, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Wow. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. J.B. Phillips' New Testament, for he looked steadily at the ultimate, not immediate reward. That's a good word for us. 
By faith, he led the exodus from Egypt. He defied the king's anger with the strength that came from, from what? Obedience to the invisible king. The message reads, he chose a hard life with God's people. I want to ask tonight, are you willing to choose a hard life with God's people? Easy street doesn't get you where you want to go. He chose a hard life with God's people. Rather, this is so beautiful, rather than an opportunistic, soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead, anticipating the payoff. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eye on the one. No eye can see. And kept right on going. Can we tonight learn from the Rechabites? The Lord is still using their example to teach his people. It's not by mistake that it's in the text. It's not by mistake that it's in the Word. We know that all Scripture is profitable. And so we look at this example, and maybe the Holy Spirit is pinpointing certain things for us tonight. And again, I'm not saying that it's the list. Maybe that's all your mind can think about, that certain list, and now you've got to go sell everything and live in a tent. That is not what we are talking about tonight. What we're talking about tonight is the call to obedience. Abstinence preserves a certain lifestyle. I hope we never forget that there is no such thing as partial obedience because it destroys the word. That we remember there is great promise, great promise with the command to respect and honor our fathers, our mothers, and our Heavenly Father. And let's decide tonight to get serious and secure a place for our descendants. Great promise comes with great obedience. Let us heed the lesson of the Lord. Now tonight, I want to share some words with you. It's a lengthy excerpt, so please, Bear with me, but I think they are so important, and I do believe that the Lord wants us to hear these words. It's the words of David Wilkerson, and he delivered this message. This is part of the message. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3.18 God says, don't love me just with your words. Don't just love me with your tongue. Show me your love by your deeds and your actions. You turn to the song of Solomon and you'll find very emotional, sentimental words that we understand. Loving words that the human mind understands, a kind of words we express between husband and wife and those who are deeply in love. But it goes beyond sentiment. It goes beyond feeling. It goes beyond our emotion. He filters every song 
He judges every prayer that comes as incense before his throne. He judges it. He filters it. He examines it. And sad to say that the majority of what ascends into the heavens, supposedly incense, is rejected. Jesus said in no uncertain terms, to love him is to hear and obey his commandments. In other words, it's impossible to love Jesus only with your words and your tongue. Impossible. It is something you do. It is something I do. Here, it really nails it down. 1 John 5, 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. Nothing could be more clear in the Word of God. Love for the Lord goes beyond sentimentality. It goes beyond emotion, beyond our feelings, beyond our words, beyond our singing. Love for the Lord, as it is prescribed here by Jesus himself, is obedience to his every word. Obedience to his word. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide or live in my love, John 15, 10. You want to really not just come to me with sessions of love, not just expression of love, but do you want to live in love with me? It's a lifestyle. It's a 24-hour lifestyle. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide or live in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love, John 15, 10. Loving me has everything to do with obeying me. In your hunger, and in your desire to know my commandments, to hear my word and to obey my word fully, that is to love me. If you seek me, and by the help of the Holy Ghost understand my word, and if you're praying for the Holy Ghost to give you ability and power and an enablement to keep my word, then, then you're loving me. You can have the worship team return. He continues, David understood that all of his singing, all of his words, all of his, whether it's written or verbalized, had to come out of an obedient heart. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 56, 18. In spite of all my songs, my love songs, all my expression of love, if I regard, and the word regard here means if I've made peace with my sin, if I've decided to live with it and live in its disobedience, God will not hear me. I will not give this up. I will live with my sin. I've made peace with it. There's no more conviction. I want nothing to do with being convicted. That will absolutely shut you off from the love of Jesus Christ. You cannot possibly love him. Oh, his love for you is undying. His mercy is everlasting. But there's no possibility that he could receive love from that kind of a heart. Proverbs 28, 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. He didn't make us a commandment to obey his word without, without in the New Testament giving us all the power of the Holy Ghost we need to do what he has told us to do. David said, thy word I have hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. 
That word hid in Hebrews is to hoard. I have hoarded up the Word of God so that when I face sin, when I face temptation, I have the Word hidden in my heart. That's why we beg you, we beseech you, we plea with you to read and to study and to get into this and pray, Holy Ghost, make it real. Hoard it up, build it up, hide it in your heart that I might not sin against you, O Lord. Listen to his heart. Lord, make me to go in the path of your commandments. For therein do I delight. Take not the word of truth wholly out of my mouth, because I do love thy commandments. Listen to him. He says, O oh God, when I'm going, when I'm going to stray, make me to go in the right path of your commandments. I love your word. I love to be reproved by it. I believe that the test of real holiness is a man that loves to be reproved by the word of God. He's not afraid of it. He wants and desires godly reproof. First of all, check your obedience. Lord, is there an area in my life? And go back and let the Holy Ghost examine, examine it and say, Lord, give me power to obey. If I have to go make something right, I want to make it right. I want to walk in obedience. I want to believe this word. And folks, get into this book. There can be a sin problem, lust, disobedience to the Word of God that has to be dealt with. And if we bypass the root problem, I'm going to have to stand before God and answer. I'm telling you now, with all the love in my heart, if you want to love Jesus, you say, I want to serve the Lord and love Him with all of my heart. Then you are going to have to stand right before His presence right now and say, Lord, I know now that I cannot love you unless I obey you. I have to obey your word. Will you right now open up your heart and say, Jesus, in this next week, send the Holy Ghost into my life. Because if you are saved, you have Holy Ghost there to comfort, strengthen, convict. When he comes, he'll convict of sin. He'll warn you of the judgment on sin. And he'll lead you into the path of righteousness. And he will convict of sin. And then, when you deal with that, then it opens up the door to the favor and the blessings of God. I encourage all of us here tonight to stand faithful and to stand obedient. Let's rise. Let's lift up this song. We'll close in just a moment. I know we're a few minutes over. Would you just open up your life and say, Holy Ghost, examine me tonight. Lord, make me to have the quality of obedience that the Rechabites have. That the Rechabites had, Lord, this, this great godly example you've outlined in the Word. Lord, I want to be obedient. I don't want to break. I don't want to crack. No matter what is set before me, I want to be one that is resilient. One that is strong. One that stands in my time and preserves a godly lifestyle for the next generation. One that honors my father and my mother.
One that honors what the Heavenly Father has set in place. One that runs with it. 